Hello, Seaside. Good to be back.、Uh, I got back about a week ago.、Uh, for those who don't know me, my name is Myung Wa Choi. I'm the executive pastor at New Philadelphia Church. I worship at the Hillside、uh, campus, which is in Seoul. And then Busan is my hometown, so it's special whenever I come here to speak to you guys. So it's good to be back to Seaside. And yes, my trip to America was amazing. The land of、um, amazing food, Mexican food, in and out, and、um, yeah, all those goodness and、uh, big portions, and、uh, yeah, I had a really great time connecting with the people and the church that I、uh, know there. So got a lot of just download of wisdom and revelation, and I'm here to share that with you. So whatever I brought back, it's all for you. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So today I'm starting something new. I'm starting a series, sermon series on the book of Ephesus. I mean, Ephesians, not book of Ephesus. <laughs> book of Ephesians. Oh man, you gotta edit that out for me. It's embarrassing. I did graduate from seminary. Okay. Okay. Series on the book of Ephesians, and then because um it's a letter, you know that it's a letter that Apostle Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus, right? So because it's a letter, you need a little bit of background knowledge to understand the fullness of this letter, right? So if you are gonna you know open up and read someone's letter, you gotta know what kind of relationship that they have, what kind of historical background that you have, you know. So we're just I'm just gonna lead you on this like a little journey with an Apostle Paul. Are you guys cool with that? So, Jesus was born, and then it goes from BC to AD, right? In the AD 33, Jesus was actually ascended to heaven. So he got crucified, he resurrected, and then he went back to、uh, where the Father is. And then AD 34 to 35, a couple years later, Saul becomes Paul. So his radical conversion happens, and then this persecutor becomes the apostle of Jesus Christ. So Paul's conversion happens right after Jesus's、um, ascension, and then he goes on these journeys to like different, like all over, like the minor Asia, and then th- those are the calls like journey of missions journey of Paul. So Apostle Paul takes on these journeys, and then Ephesus, this city, he visits、uh, on his third journey, which happened took place around 52 to 57. It's really awkward. Like we're living in what AD 2012, you know. So it's a long, 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 long time ago. But then Apostle Paul was, you know, with his disciples. He was visiting all these cities, and Ephesus was one of them. And then he um actually spent like two to three years in that one city, discipling and raising up the people of God in the city. And then uh. A lot of you know that after like five years, he gets imprisoned in Rome, and then that's where he gets、uh, murdered, and then he he dies. You know, his ministry ends there. But then, um, I'm pretty sure that this isn't the only letter that he wrote to the land of the city of Ephesus, because um, he was really in love with all these people, and then these people in this city was so precious to the heart of Paul that I'm sure there were many many letters that were sent out, but this is the one that's recorded that made it into the canon into the. Bible. So we're going to look at the chapter one of that letter today. Are you guys excited? Excited? One thing about that,、uh, the the city of Ephesus. Oh my, I'm not I'm not good at saying the name, but Church of Ephesus is that it was a really difficult missions field. So to explain further, if you want to know more about it, you can read Acts chapter 19. It has a record of Paul visiting and then、uh, being confronted with all these like opposition, all these persecutors, people coming against him and rioting against him because the main reason was the people they were or idol idol worshippers and then there was this goddess that they worshipped. Her name was Artemis. In in Latina, it's Diana. But、uh, Artemis, the goddess Artemis, we have a、uh, Pastor Diana at Itaewon campus. But、uh, Artemis, so they were worshippers of of this idol and this goddess that. When Paul brought the gospel and proclaimed that Jesus is the Son of God and one God and all that, people just rioted, and then there's a crazy record of people just hating on Christians, and there were a lot of persecution persecution in this city in this church. So remembering that. Like and then right after the crazy citywide riot,、um, Apostle Paul had to leave. So immediately after, he had to leave for this another city, Macedonia. And then think about his heart. Like these are my children that I sold into for two to three years. And then all of a sudden, all these opposition and persecutions coming at them. And then Paul's gotta leave because God is calling him to another city. Think about that. 
But he just left, and then the only way of communication is what? Writing letters. They got no Facebook. They got no Gmail, no Google, no Internet. The only way of communicating to them is writing them all these long, long letters. You know, Apostle Paul is like a Ajishi, like a middle-aged man, or close to a Harabaji, like a grandpa. And remembering all his children, spiritual children in the city, he's writing all these long letters to them. <laughs> I'm not crying, okay? <laughs> I'm choking up. <clears throat> so we're going to read the first chapter of it. Are you guys there? Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to just follow along. I'm going to read these, okay? First one. It's quite long, but let's remember his heart, okay? Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. As a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Verse 11, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who are who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of the inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Amen. You might be asking, why did you have to choose such long pericope, like 12 verses? I had no choice, because in Greek, this is actually one sentence. Can you guys believe that? So I was having a hard time, you know, cutting word to stop word to pause. It's because all these verses that I read, like verse 3, 3 to 14, one long sentence. Paul is a good writer, right? So that's why I couldn't cut it, you know? So my, I just had to put together. And then, man, let's try to dissect this. I'll give you the summary. I use five different color highlighters to really dissect this passage highlighting and coloring and cutting and studying the Greek. So the summary that I'm about to give you is pretty good, all right? Paul is speaking to the believers in Ephesus about how they are chosen and predestined according to the will and purpose of God with grace to the praise of his glory. It just went right over your head, huh? Did you catch anything? Any of it? This is like a buffet for the like biblical scholars. Like They could draw out like dissertations and like... It's like rich, rich stuff. You know, we, we shouldn't just ignore, oh, this is like a one long sentence. Goodbye. You know, but I'm going to today focus on one thing and one thing only. It's the fact that we are chosen. Everyone say we are chosen. Verse four to five, it says this. He chose us. Everyone say he chose us. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us. Everyone say, he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ. Today, I want to focus on the adoption. I want to focus on the election, choice of God that he himself made. I recently watched the movie. It's like a documentary movie. It's like a prequel, not prequel, sequel. Sequel of the movie called Finger of God and also Furious Love. Has anyone heard of those movies before, documentaries? I know a lot of our leaders watch them. It's amazing. And the third one, I must say, it's the best one yet. And this is the, actually the end. So out of three, I loved it the most. The, the documentary is called Father of Lights. If you have a chance, if it gets released through DVD or something, you must buy it. I'm so serious. I'm not trying to sell it here. I'm not going to sell it today. But uh, I watched it online for free. But it was just life-transforming, amazing documentary, Father of Lights. And then this one person famous... 
I do not remember the name. And then his interview um, pops up and he says this, All other religions are men's search for God, but Christianity starts from God's search for men. It's talking about how God has initiated this relationship that we have with him. It's talking about how election, the selection, the choice that he made is from his heart. That none of us chose him, but he chose us. I mean, we cannot choose him unless he first, is cho- first chooses us. As in, in the Bible, somewhere else it says, none of us loved him first. It's that he loved us first, and we are simply responding back to his love. Because he chose us, we are able to, we have the ability to choose him back. Don't get me wrong, there is power in us choosing God as well. I mean, when we are chosen by God, when we know that, we are able to choose him back. And this generation, the movie also talks about how we have so many options and choices in our lives. You guys agree? There are thousands of movies to choose from, like things to wear, things to eat from. We have so many choices, so many other jobs. You know, if you think about like back in the days, you have no choice on your jobs, on what city to live in, or which country to move to. You have no choice. But a lot of you had that choice to come here to Korea. You know, you, we are, we have so many options and choices. That's why when we choose God, there's a special power. That's why this generation, when we, when we finally choose Him more than all these other options, like other than all these other choices that we have, there's more power when we really wholeheartedly choose Him. So, but I'm not here talking about that. I'm talking about the initial election made by Him. And that gave us ability to choose him back. So if we do not understand the fact that, man, God chose me, out of everyone he chose me, we take that choice, you know, that choice that we have to choose him back, we take it for granted. We must understand that he chose us first so that we could choose him back. This movie um, starts with this Indian man, Indian man in India, and his name's Robbie. And then he's a man that God miraculously somehow saved him. And every morning, 4.30 in the morning, God wakes him up and then speaks to him, according to him, audibly. And then he, God gives him like an outline of the day. Robbie, I want you to go here, go there, and like give him kind of like a blueprint of the day so that he could use him, right? So this guy, Robbie, real humble man, like he doesn't look any special. He's just one Indian-looking person. And then he wakes up, hears God's voice, and he goes through crazy stuff. So for example, this one story, he heard God in the morning that God tells him to go to this particular temple, a huge temple, and then find this dude wearing like a chaffron color robe, like a dark orange robe with the turban and with white big beard, right? And then they went there at the parking lot, Kijuna, they find the guy, like the exactly same description. And then Robbie has no hesitation because ha- this happened to him like over and over again. Robbie goes up there, oh, there he is. Let me talk to him. And then he goes over there and then starts the conversation. But then the interesting thing is he's like a part of the crew. That's what you call guru. Guru. Mm, not guru. <laughs> guru, part of the guru. And then they're not even allowed to converse and hear the gospel. Right? So they could, um, the people around it, if they see that, they could just stone him. And that's, that's fine. Like people like, you know, see the guru guy hearing the gospel, conversing with the Christians, like people around him could stone him to death. But then like some, for some reason, that guru guy ends up like, uh, going with Rabbi to this like a uh, solitude, like a hidden place and starts talking. And this is what he says. He says, I saw you in my dream. That's what the guy says. And like, Robbie's like, oh yeah, God showed me this morning. God showed you in my vision this morning. And then the guy saying, I actually saw you, Robbie, in my dream. So that's why the guy was willing to follow and hear the gospel. And for sure, for sure, he knows that God is calling him. You know, there's like no way out. You know, I saw you in my dream and you just showed up and sharing the gospel to me must be God. You know? How crazy is that? But it's not that the guy was searching for God. You see, God was searching for him. That's why he gave the dream to Robbie and vision to, you know, and orchestrated everything so that they commit and then 
so that he will find his child back. You know? And how God was just really after him. God was calling him. And God really chose him. You know? There's beauty about him choosing us and us understanding that. The first thing that I want to draw out from this passage is that you are chosen with great pleasure. Everyone say that. You are chosen with great pleasure. Turn to your neighbor and tell them that you're chosen with great pleasure. The, uh, the Greek word that's used in these verses is eudokia. Uh, <laughs> I sound really not smart today. Eudokia, it's a Greek word. And then uh, it's used in verse 5 and verse 9 both. And then it has a connotation of pleasure, satisfaction, and delight. So when this word is used, it's talking about like out of God's good pleasure that he chose us. And out of his good will, satisfaction that he chose us. It's not just out of um, like reluctance. It's not out of like pressure. He chose us with great pleasure. Verse 5, I love NIV. NIV, um, ESV didn't do, didn't bring that connotation into the text, but the NIV, it says, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Really like that. Verse 9, it also says, with his good pleasure, uh, he, uh, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. In the other translations, like King James Version, it says good pleasure. NASB says kind intention, being creative here. New Living Translation says, great pleasure. So it's evident that Word of God says that when He chose us, He chose us with great pleasure. Do you guys know that He was excited to choose you? He's pleased to choose you, to be in His family, to have you in His kingdom. That when he chose you, when he thought about you, his heart was filled with pleasure, satisfaction, and delight. He chose you with great, great pleasure in his heart. That's simple. That's my first point. <laughs> and um, he chose you with the pleasure, and then there's a purpose for that. And then... Paul really uh, emphasizes this. And then let me really bring that out for you out of this one long sentence, okay? Turn to your neighbor and tell them, God chose you for relationship. God really chose you for relationship. There are certain uh, words that are used in this passage that are strongly relational in its nature. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring that out for you. Verse four, we're looking at verse four. He chose us that we should be holy and blameless before Him. Remember the holy and blameless, you know? A holy meaning, um, that's like the purpose of it. So that you will be holy and blameless before me that I chose you, right? It's explaining the purpose of it. So that we could be holy and blameless. I'm repeating myself. All right. The holiness, it means that you are different. It just means that you are set apart, right? And blameless has to uh, do with guilt and shame taken away from you. So that you do not deserve any blame for anything that you have done. So guilt and shame taken away from you, all the sin taken away from you, it's holy and blameless. So if you think about God, like God is holy, you guys agree? God is holy, it means that He's set apart, He is different. So He cannot be mixed up with anything that's unholy. Is that easy for you? It's like, imagine like a pure light and darkness. It cannot be mixed together. Because He's holy and because we have sinned, simply we just cannot be together. And holy God used to be off limit from all of us. So if you, if you think about the Old Testament time, people, the Israelites were chosen, but still they didn't have the full access to God. There were places called Holy of Holies where only the priests could enter into. There was still a lot of limits to his presence. We had limited access, very, very, very limited access, even to the chosen people of God. But when God makes you holy and blameless through Jesus Christ, it means that you can enter his holy presence freely with no limitation. 
Like you are free to run to him, and you're free to just hug him. You're free to just converse with him. Holy uh, and holy ones and holy ones are free to connect. You know, it's just you know dumb. You know, don't, you know anyone can understand that holy ones and holy ones are free to connect with one another. So when God made us holy, you could just enter into His presence so freely. You can now go near Him. You can uh, freely have intimate relationship with Him. That was the purpose of Him making you holy and blameless. So many people think of holiness as just being holy for the sake of being holy. Like, not sinning is holy. But that is really not true. If not sinning is holiness, none of you are holy in this room. God made you holy. You didn't become holy. Does it make sense? So seeking holiness outside of this relational aspect, losing this purpose of it, it's going to produce self-righteousness. You're just going to think, oh, I'm a holy one, you know? It's going to produce legalism. It's going to produce Pharisees. It's going to produce religious spirits inside of your heart. But you've got to remember, the reason why God made you holy and blameless is so, just so that you will have intimate relationship with Him, removing all the limitation between you and Him. This is huge, guys. You are made holy because he chose you. He just made that decision. You never made the decision. And verse 4, it continues. He says, in love, he predestined us for adoption. NIV said adoption to sonship. Everyone say, in love. I think whenever I come to Seaside, I, I talk about marriage a lot. And I talk about relationship a lot. <laughs> I talk about like this romance a lot. Um, but in love, he predestined us. It means that, you know, he chose us at the, in verse four earlier, it's like he chose us before the foundation of the world. Is remember that? Before the beginning of the time, he chose us, right? And then in this verse, he said, in love, he predestined us. It means that he fell in love with you before you existed. before you were formed in your mother's womb, he fell in love with you. So predestined, it just means that previously ordained or previously appointed. So his love for you existed even before you existed. He fell in love with you when you were not there. Does that make sense to you? It's kind of difficult for me to understand. I'm going to talk about love a little bit here. I mean, love, I think, have two different aspects. Um, anyone here married? I know Didi and Hewan and like over there here. A lot of you guys are married, but then think about it, like the love that we can understand. Okay, I'm not going to go into like a biblical definition of love or anything like that. But like there are, I think, even for Christians, there are two different aspects of love that we can actually distinguish. Like one is the love that the Bible talks about, like choose to love, you know, act in love. You know, like action. It involves some action and then you might not have that like, like, I'm in love with this person kind of emotion, but you could still love someone. You could love someone on the street that you just met. You know, that kind of love. Like love that comes from him. Like you can choose to love. You could cho- you could love on the stranger. You could love on your brother and sister. Like act of love and things like that. That, that aspect of love is getting me the effort that you make. Like showing kind of love. And then there's love. When we talk about love, it's usually, the, when the world talks about the love, it's usually the heart, the emotion, the feeling that you have. Oh, I think I'm in love with this person. Does anybody, you know what I'm talking about? Like having that crush on someone. Like to put it really in an easy way, that having the feeling, feeling the emotions. Oh, whenever I see him, I get really nervous and I start sweating. That kind of love, you know? The feeling that you have, like what you feel in your heart kind of love, you know? And um, I think we need both in our lives. I mean, the world emphasizes the emotion too much that, you know, even in like a marriage relationship, you get married because you have that emotion, you feel that hormonal rush in your body, whatever. But then when you lose it, you feel like, oh, maybe I need to divorce this person because I don't, I don't love her anymore. I don't love him anymore. But that is not true. 
you know, because the other aspect kicks in. You know, even when you don't have that, all that emotion, all the feeling, even when that's kind of fading away, I'm not saying it's supposed to fade away, but even if it fades away, you could still choose to commit and love your wife and love your husband. Does it make sense? So I think we do need both aspects. But then, like, think about, like, not having any emotional feelings. Like, marriage would be so boring. Like, I chose her, so, you know, let me just stick with her. Like, not having any of that emotion that you feel, you know, when you look at the, look at the one that you love, you know? What kind of love is that? I think we do need both aspects in our lives, you know, especially in our marriage, you know? Even in our friendship, even in our relationship with the Lord, you know? And I'm here to say that the feeling that you feel, I don't think it's evil. Emotions are from the Lord. You know, the hormones are from the Lord. You know, that love is not an evil love. Overemphasizing it, yeah, that could end up being evil, but then I think we need both of them. Are you guys getting my heart? So, like, marriage relationship, let me really drive it home. You fall in love with someone. Let's say you just fell in love with your sister or brother. You just fell in love. I just really, really have a lot of, you know, oh, I just fell in love. You feel that emotion. That makes you want to spend the rest of your life with that person. Is that correct? That's why you bought that expensive diamond ring and put it on Mina's finger, right? Because you fell in love, you want you to commit to that person and spend the rest of your life with her. Right? Yeah, right? Yeah, right? So, but like, um, so my point is that, man, let me word it right, okay? So it's got to be love first, and then it leads you to that committed relationship. You know, it makes you want to have that committed relationship. But, like, think about it the other way around. Like, you, uh, because this person has this, this job, okay, that person fits me pretty well. So you have no emotions for that person. But, like, okay, I choose Anna Rowe. So let me try to fall in love with her. Do you think that's going to work? Because I chose you, uh, let me try to like, let me try to fall in love with you. And somehow, maybe we will get there. You know, it's not gonna work like that, even in like romantic relationship. Do you want someone, some dude coming up to you and say, I choose you and I'm gonna try to fall in love with you and get married to you? Are you gonna say yes to that, man? Heck no, I'm never gonna do that. You know, I want someone that's filled with love for me and who's willing to really carry out the love in his action as well. So, I thought it was a really genius thing that I came up with, but not many of you are getting my heart, but it's okay. I'm going to move on. So he was so, God was so in love with us first before we even existed that he chose us out of the love. That's the point that I'm making. He was already in love with you, that, that feelings and the affection that he wanted to spend eternity with you. That's why he chose you. He was longing for you to be born. Because he chose you such a long time ago. Like before Genesis chapter 1, he chose you. And he was waiting, longing for Rosie to be born into this earth. For her to start speaking. You know, for her to really start walking with the Lord. And he was just waiting for this moment. You cannot waste this moment with him. He was longing to have conversation with Lydia. You know, he was waiting, man, I can't wait for her to be born and start talking and start knowing my love and have like actually decent conversation with her. He was longing for this moment. God was waiting for you because he has chosen you. In love, he chose you and committed to you. And there's another relational term that's used here. It's called adoption. Everyone say adoption. And I talked about it um, like a couple months ago, I think, at Seaside, that adoption is could be actually more meaningful than having natural children. Because um, for adoption to take place, parents have to make that decision to commit to this child and adopt that child into the family. But like natural children are just born to the family, you know? So it involves that choice. I'm going to choose this child. I'm going to love on this child. I'm going to raise this child. And I'm going to make this child part of my life. That's kind of the commitment that we're talking about here, you know? And it's, he said, predestined us to adoption into his family. Not just 
Save the Earth project. He didn't predestined us to do some church. He predestined us for adoption into family. We got to see the relational aspect that God has really put in in this passage. You are part of His family. You're one of His kids. It means you. It means that you live with Him and that you are invited to His home, and you're gonna actually live there with Him. And he, it means that He's fully, fully committed to you. He's gonna raise you, and He's gonna be uh, account, keep you accountable for every single day of your life. It means that He's your daddy. Adoption has such relational, such it's it's a strong, strong relational term. So all these terms that I explained, just to tell you, God chose you for an intimate relationship. And there's a reason why. Because there is no one like you in this entire world, in the history of humankind. There is no one, there's no one like Trevor in this entire world. In the history of humankind, there was no one that was like you, Trevor. You're good? All right, I'm up. And I'm, I'm the only, one and only Myung Cho in this entire world. I am. I'm not talking about names, okay? What happens to Daniel Kimson? You know, there are like a million Daniel Kims and Christina Kims and Kim is like the most common last name in Korea. So you will find like David Kims everywhere. I'm not talking about name here, but I'm talking about the relational value that you have for him. The dynamic that you can hold with him. You know, I seriously know like 20 Daniel Kims, I think. I'm exaggerating. Yeah, let me confess it. I think I know like five of them. Five Daniel Kims, like Daniel Kims, but then they all give me different relational value and dynamic. My interaction with all the different Daniel Kims are all different. There's no, not two friends that give you the same relational dynamic. Think about all your friends, like the thousand that you have on your Facebook. None of them gives you the same dynamic that you have with that one individual. You know? That's why you have best friend, you know, because everyone gives you different dynamic, relational dynamic, and it, it goes the same with our relationship with God. Like, there is no other Myung Choi that talks to, him, talks to him the way I talk to him, that have the friendship that I have with him. Like, there's no other Myung Choi. It's, it's like an uncommon name, too. There's no other human being that will give him the same friendship that I give to him. It applies to you all, every single person in this room. And then later you become a mom or dad and you will know that even if you have like a dozen children, they're going to all give you a different dynamic. You know, they're going to be all different. Even the twins are going to be different to you. To a mom or daddy, they're able to tell them apart right away because they have, they give you such different relational dynamic. You know, our, our sister Sarah Boyle has a twin at Hillside. Her name is Rachel Boyle. But they are completely different. Even as friends, they are really, really, they just, they just look the same. Right? <laughs> but they give you completely different personal dynamic and friendship that, man, in this entire world, there is no one like you to him. That's why he chose you. Cause he wanted the dynamic. Cause he wanted the friendship with you. And you cannot be replaced because you are so special to him. He's chosen you for the particular dynamic that you give to him. Why are you not, why are you taking that away from him? He's been waiting for eternity to have the friendship with you, and you are not even willing to talk to him. Why are we, who are we to take away the relational dynamic that he's been longing for? Who are we to stop the friendship? Enjoy that friendship with him. You're the only one that could give that to him. My third point is this. You are chosen according to his will. Such simple. Turn, turn to your neighbor, tell them, you are chosen according to his will. Verse 5 says, according to the purpose and his will. Verse 9 says, his will according to his purpose. Verse 11, he repeats it, according to his will that we are chosen. I mean, his will and his purpose. We talk about it a lot, like our vision, our calling, our destiny. We talk about it a lot. But the reason why I said relationship first is that I do believe even the calling and, and, and this destiny comes out of the relationship. That's why I said first you were chosen for relationship. That's your primary reason. But obviously calling and destiny 
It comes out of that relationship. So it's natural. You know, Mina and Caleb got married and de- definitely it's for the relationship of them too, being one, but definitely there's a calling and destiny that's going to be upon them as a married couple. It's the same thing. Now we have that relationship dynamic. That's the purpose, but also obviously there, there, it flows. The, the destiny and calling and vision that God has for your life, it's just obviously coming out of it. I used to think to myself, um, man, God must be really short-handed right now. Like this huge mission that he has on this earth, saving all these non-believers, reaching out to these Muslims. And he must be really short-handed that he picked me, like picked a person like me. That's how I used to think. And it sounds really humble, sounds really noble, sounds really righteous, but it was a complete lie that I believed in for such a long time. Like, God, you just had to choose someone that you chose me, kind of mentality, you know? It, I'm here to tell you that God's choice, God choosing you, wasn't a need-based choice that he made. God is never needy God. He's never demanding. God does not operate from any lack. He doesn't choose it because he lacked something. Uh, except for the relations, relational aspect. Mm-hmm. He has all the resources of heaven and earth. He has all the money in this world. He, he's overflowing resource-wise. He really didn't have to choose you, like function-wise. He just, if anything, he wanted you to be part of his glorious works of his kingdom. The choice that he made was never a need-based choice. That's like the lie that I believed in for such a long time. And you are a willful, intention, you are a product of a willful, intentional, thoroughly thought through, strategic choice of God. He chose you willfully, intentionally. He thought through it for eternity. And strategically, he chose you according to his will. You guys agree God knows his will. Is that a correct sentence? He knows his will. Amen? He knows his purpose. Do you think he knows it? Amen. Yeah. Duh. Then he knows the perfect plan for his will and purpose. You guys agree with that too? He's a perfect game planner, right? So he has a perfect game plan for that. Then he knows who to recruit for the game plan. Amen? Right? God is pretty smart. And he knows who to give these missions to. You guys agree with that too? Then you must be confident. If you said amen to all these sentences, all these flow of thoughts, you must be confident that you really lack nothing for your destiny and calling that God has given you. I mean, whatever that is, however big that is, it really doesn't matter. He knows what he's doing. If he chose you, you got it. You can do it. And we must realize that we are God's first choices. I had um, a couple months ago, I'm just going to briefly share a testimony. A couple months ago, I went to this pastor's meeting in Seoul. And then a lot of uh, fellow English ministry uh, pastors and all the full-time ministers came out. And it was just time for us to just praise God and pray together. And then Pastor Christian, our church was hosting it that month. So I was just there, you know, I'm, I was a youngest one in the room, obviously. And all these like middle-aged men, pastors came in. I felt kind of small, you know. So I was at the corner praising, you know. And then uh, Pastor Christian comes on the stage and he, he says, we're going to do something new and I want to pray for some people here. And then he called out uh, this one brother and then this one sister. Both of them are pastors. And I, I knew them personally as well. I studied with them in the seminary, so they got called out. And then uh, Pastor Aaron and Pastor Christian sorry, praying for them and prophesying over them. And then he he prayed for like um, 10 seconds, and then he paused and says, Pastor Myungwa, why don't you come out and pray over these people? And I was like, dang. Like, you know, because I really felt small in the room because all these people are older than me, much more experienced than me. I just wanted to kind of hide, you know, at the corner. But then he called me out and I went up there and then I just started praying for this brother. And then um, the word that I heard from the Lord is that, um, Peter, you are God's first choice. Like, you are his first pick for the calling and for the vision, for the mission that he has for your church. You are his first choice. That's the word that I released. 
And then I was like nervous. I'm not going to lie. I was like, okay, what do I say? But then, you know what? I'm just going to obey and speak it out. And I said, you are God's first choice. And he starts to like tear up. And you know, when my brothers try to like hold back tears, their mouth goes like, like this. You know them? Like this? Like a baby, you know, little kids. Like he was like, like that. And I was like, wow, I made him cry, you know? But, um, you know, you really spoke to him. And afterwards, he sent me a Facebook message saying that they really just spoke to him. And that he was doubting a lot if he chose to be there or if God called him to be in the ministry. And it was just such confirmation that God chose him and he wasn't God's second choice or second pick or like a re, re, uh, what is it? Re, reluctant, you know, reluctantly, okay, there's no one else. So I guess I'll use you, Peter. But he was like contemplating, you know, should I quit? Should I leave Korea? You know, he was just entertaining a lot of those thoughts. And when I said you are God's first choice, it just broke it off of him. You know, when you feel like what you're, whatever you're doing in this city, if you feel like you're volunteering for it, if you feel like you chose it, there's an option of quitting and just leaving. You know, that's what he was thinking, you know. When, when it gets tough, when it gets tired, man, I chose it, so I'll, I have the same choice to just drop it and leave. But then when you leave with that sense of God has chosen me to be here, you have no option of quitting. I mean, God's grace covers you. I'm chosen for this job. I am the first pick, and I'm the perfect fit for this. Then you have confidence to accomplish that calling in your life. You are God's first choice and perfect choice, wherever you are in. In a smaller scale, think about this. I was watching this um, Korean like a TV show, like an interview kind of thing, and then this famous soccer player from Korea team came on it. Like a long time ago, like 10 years ago, actually. <laughs> you know the World Cup that Japan and Korea held together? You guys remember that? It was like a crazy World Cup season. I was in high school, and uh, Korea made it to the four. To the four? Is that how I say it? Like second final match. So Korea team made it to second final match, which never happened in the history before. And uh, the whole Korea, like every single person in Korea was wearing red t-shirt. And we were all cheering. We were flooding the streets. Like It was one crazy summer that we had the World Cup. And then uh, right after, that soccer player came on this. I, I don't know if it was a Christian show, but he said something like this. So it was like a really important match for Korea to make it into the semifinal, right? And then he said it was like a penalty kick or something. So they got the chance to uh, penalty kick, and then because of that one goal, Korea team went and then went to the semifinal, right? It's an important, important one kick, right? One chance, one opportunity. And then he said, my coach called out my name, and my heart, like, sank. Think about it. The entire country is watching me, and all the pressure, you know? You, 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 you just have one and only chance. If he misses it, dang. I, I do not want to imagine what happens. You know, the entire nation is watching. The entire world is watching, you know. You know, he said this. There was a mission, right? Mission. And then he said, if my coach called me out, it means that I'm able to do it. And it blew me away. Think about that. Like, crazy pressure, duty, mission, calling, destiny, whatever you want to call it's in front of you. If God calls you to do it, all right, David, you go kick it. That means you are able to do it. I mean, in soccer, you might miss it. You know, <laughs> it's reality. But in God's kingdom, that never happens. If he chose you to kick the ball, you're going to make it. Grace, grace covers it, and he walks you through it. I used to think that, man, God is this like crazy promise giver. He speaks his crazy destiny over me. You're going to be this and that, this calling, and my vision is this and that. So grand. And I, I used to think that God just gives me promise and just takes off like a mean boss, you know. Finish this until Monday, and he just takes off, right? And then uh, he doesn't lead me through. Like, I don't know where the resources are at. I don't know what to do with this. But, like, the mean boss will just throw it at you. This is, this is what you're going to do. And see ya peace and he just walks out but god is not like that when god gives you promise he likes to he will love to walk you through that journey with you every single step he will walk with you until you reach that promise that god has given to you this passage makes it really really clear verse 3 says god has blessed us in christ with every spiritual blessing 
Everyone say every. Every means every, right? Every spiritual blessing, He has blessed you. Verse 6 is that He has blessed us in the beloved, His glorious grace. Glorious grace is upon us. Verse 8 is that He lavished upon us the riches of His grace. And He repeats Himself in verse 13. He says, You are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. You gotta remember, Holy Spirit is God. He's promised Holy Spirit is in you. You are sealed with it. And no one can take away the Holy Spirit that is in you. When you are chosen according to His will, you are graced into His will, which means that His grace covers you, and you are able to do that without fail. You kick the ball, it's going to make it. In smaller scale, that we face, because it's kind of like grand picture, you know, my vision, my calling, my destiny. In a smaller scale, think about it. If my coach chose me, I'm able to do that. Like you applied it to your work environment. You applied it to your church responsibilities. Like I used to be a prayer team leader for the last two and a half years. When um, Pastor Christian first made me prayer team leader, I cried, I cried for two days straight because I was so, so scared. Because I used to be very insecure, and I was thinking, man, Pastor Christian doesn't know me. I don't pray that much. Like, I'm not good at English. How am I supposed to lead all these topics? I hate being on the stage. I had all these fears, and it was so overwhelming. Like, I just didn't want to do it. So, but then I had no courage to talk to him either. So I would just cry at home for two nights straight. Like, (gasps) I was bawling my eyes out because I was so scared. But then, this revelation hit me. If my leader sees that in me, I'm able to do it. It's like my coach chose me that I'm able to do it. So I'm just going to go for it kind of faith. If my pastor, if my spiritual leader tells me that I can do it, then I can do it. I just got to do it then. You know? So that's why how, how I accepted it. And I've been leading the team strong. I mean, recently it got dissolved because we don't need prayer team anymore because the whole church is praying. So, I mean, for the last two and a half years, like, it was an amazing honor to lead the team. And Jen was in our team. Anna was in my team. You know, we had an amazing time of just intercession and just really holding up and leading the church. You know, when God says, I mean, when your leader says, you can do it. So I'll give it to you. Then you can do it. You know? Calling comes with grace that enables you to finish that. So don't feel like you're calling your destiny, your vision. It's so grand. I don't know if I can do this. No, you can do it. It's all inside of you. And God's going to grace you into that promise. He's a promise giver, yes, but he also walk you until you see the promise come forth. He has chosen you according to his will and purpose. He knows what he's doing. You don't have to worry about what if God regrets? What if I miss it? What if, what if God knows better than you? God knows it better than you do. So don't you dare worry about that. Trust in his grace. This passage is telling us over and over again. I'm just going to go through the three points. Number one, you are chosen with great pleasure. Everyone say great pleasure. Feel that great pleasure, satisfaction, delight over you. He chose you before eternity, and his heart was filled with delight. In love, he chose you. He already fell in love with you before you were even born. Predestination. It happened way before. He's been waiting for this Kairos moment. Second point, what was that? Anyone remember? You are chosen for relationship you are chosen to have relationship with him intimacy with him holiness isn't your goal you are made holy and blameless so that you will go into his presence freely you are made for that relationship what's the third one you are chosen according to his will according to his purpose he knows his will he knows his purpose that's why he chose you and he's gonna walk through and you are you are good to go Let's pray. Uh, As Caleb prepares to close us with the song, I want us to sing that when I think about the Lord again. All right? So before we do that, I want us to just meditate on um, these things that I just spoke over you. Uh, This, what Paul spoke over the church of Ephesus, I want you to really feel the heart of it, that you are chosen. Each and every single one of you are chosen here. 
Don't think that you somehow stumbled into the church. Don't think that, oh, I just happened to grow up in Christian home and Christian church. Don't think that. Each and every one of you are chosen to be in this room. Each and every one of you are chosen to be his child, adopted into his family. So I want us to just meditate on that. When the revelation comes, it's like the most common thing that pastor could say, I know. But when the revelation comes on you, it's different. When I was in um, San Francisco, when I was doing the internship, trial, one Sunday, it's just, this revelation just hit me like a truck. And it just was different. I mean, I knew, yeah, God chose me. I knew it all along. But then when the revelation, that when God reveals that to your heart, it's just different. So I just released the revelation unto you. Like the, the experience that I had, hit by the revelation that I am chosen by Him, handpicked by Him, I just released the impartation upon you. So everyone, just meditate on His goodness. Before the foundation of the world, you were chosen. For this moment, for you to have this conversation right now, for that relational dynamic, that friendship that you're giving to Him, for that you are chosen. And there is a destiny in front of you. And there's nothing to be afraid of because He's going to walk you through. Because He's going to grace you into that promise. You are chosen. Just take a brief moment to just meditate on that. He said, every one of you are chosen one. You are chosen one. I want us to just respond to this message. Simple thing we're going to do. I just feel like as we receive this revelation that we are chosen by Him, I just want us to respond back saying, God, I choose you back. Father, I choose you back. And yeah, I have all these options. I have all these choices that I can make. But God, I, I will choose I'll choose you. I'll choose your presence. I'll choose the destiny that you have given me. I just want us to just lift up the simple, just simple prayer. Father, I choose you back. Thank you for choosing me and I choose you back. Take a brief moment to do that. Father, we just thank you so much for choosing each and every single person in this room. God, you chose them with love. You chose them before the foundation of the world. You chose them with particular, specific, special purposes and will, God. And Lord, I just thank you that you choose to walk with us until we get there. And God, I just pray for that release of impartation, release of the revelation that you've chosen. You've chosen us, God. And God, as the chosen ones, we just respond to your heart, saying that we choose you back, Lord. We choose you back, Father. We choose to be in your presence. We choose to walk on the path. We choose to, Father, follow your promises. We just make that choice right now. And God, I thank you that Seaside is a community of chosen ones. And every single person in this room, oh, Father, is going to walk in the revelation. And Lord, um, I bless this family, Lord. Why don't we all stand up together and close with this song.